So we finished up our walk through the book of James last week, and now we're moving on to our new uh, series. We're going to be, for the next couple weeks, couple months, we're going to be discussing spiritual gifts. Uh, This is the thing that over the last nine months, I have had the most questions on. Uh, People regularly coming up and going, what are spiritual gifts? How do I know what my spiritual gifts are? What do I do with my spiritual gifts? And it just kind of seems like a lot of questions uh, coming out, which makes sense because spiritual gifts can be a tricky thing. Um, Spiritual gifts is something where depending on uh, your church background or your lack of church background or whatever, there's some different thoughts and views, thank you Josh, on what some of the gifts are and what they look like and how they're used and, and there's some confusion out there. And so my goal over the next couple months as we walk through the spiritual gifts is to help each of us not only discern what are my gifts, but also how is God calling me to use my gifts And maybe even a little bit of what do I do when somebody else's gifts make me uncomfortable? Because that happens. If you haven't experienced it yet, hang on. You will. Okay? But spiritual gifts is not something that was meant to be this mystery. It was not something that was meant to be, okay, we can talk about these, but we don't ever talk about these. And this kind of weird thing that it's become in the church. In fact, as we walk through this, we're going to see that it's actually talked about time and time again. And Paul even says in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, when he kind of goes into this couple chapter long talk on spiritual gifts, he goes, I don't want you to be ignorant about the gifts of the Spirit. There shouldn't be this shadowy darkness out there on what the the gifts of the Spirit are. And so we're going to do the best we can to just step by step kind of walk through and hopefully shed some light if there's any darkness. Hopefully, my prayer is that the Lord will will tug on your heart at some point throughout this going, you need to lean into this one. This is something I've gifted you with that maybe you're aware of, but I'm calling you to take it a step further. Or maybe you've been kind of blind to this and I kind of want to wake this up inside of you. I, I want this to be something that has like a real reaction to it, not just we could take a test at the end and get the right answers on what the gifts are and all of that but it has true practical application. So a phrase that we're going to be using as we go throughout not only this series, but honestly, going forward, this is kind of the direction of our church, is every person involved in kingdom life. The goal of the Alliance Church is to see every person involved in kingdom life. Every man, woman, and child, my heart is in Elkins, and in West Virginia, involved in kingdom life. Now, if you're paying attention at all, I hope you're asking the question, what is kingdom life? Some of us have been in church long enough where we hear kingdom and we know to say, amen. But what is kingdom life? Uh, Very, very simply put, at its like most basic, kingdom life is this. There is a king... You're not him. He's in charge, and we're called to love and serve him. Okay? That's the the basic understanding of the kingdom of God. It's a tricky thing for us because we don't do king very well. We, in fact, spent quite a bit of time, money, and energy making it so that we don't have a king. If you remember that a couple hundred years ago. Okay? King doesn't sit super well with us. We have elected officials. We have officials that we're able to go, oh, I didn't vote for them. 
They're doing a terrible job, and we can badmouth them, and we can whatever, and that's just a part of our system. A king is a whole other thing together, altogether. A king is the one through where life flows from. You live by the grace of the king. You live because the king allows it. You do what the king requires of you. You are not alone in yourself. You are part of a kingdom with rules and everything that come with it. And that's a foreign thing to us. We go, we don't like this guy. Well, in four years, maybe eight years, he's out, somebody else is in. Hopefully we like that guy better or, or girl. But when it comes to a kingdom, the king is in charge, the end. That, that's the basic understanding. And in scripture, we're going to look at a couple passages today. We find ourselves, those of us who are believers, who are followers of Jesus Christ, we are a part of a kingdom. We have been called to share the values of the king, live by the rules of the kingdom, and to love and serve the king. This is truly what it means to follow Jesus. To be a Christian, to share the values of the king. Lord, make my heart like your heart. I want to value the things that you value. To live by the rules of the kingdom. You know what? I'm not a lone ranger in this. We're all in this together. And every society has rules, right? So that we're not walking all over each other. And we're to live by the rules of the kingdom. And I'm to love and serve the king in everything I do. Every person involved in kingdom life. But we cannot be fully involved in kingdom life without understanding and utilizing our gifts. The spiritual gifts are a key to kingdom life. It, it, with ignoring those, without understanding those, without utilizing our spiritual gifts, we're missing the boat. We can't be fully involved in kingdom life. Jesus says this when it comes to this whole idea of the kingdom. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Jesus speaking about this idea of kingdom mentality. He just went through an entire chapter saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep. He says, you, you have a father in heaven who knows what you need. Instead, seek first the kingdom and God's righteousness. Everything else will be taken care of. He's, he's, he's saying, don't miss the point. Don't get sidetracked. Seek first the kingdom. Share the values of the king. Live by the rules of the kingdom. Love and serve the king. And everything else will be taken care of. And we cannot be fully involved in kingdom life without understanding and utilizing our gifts. In 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter says it like this. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others to the glory of God. This is what it is to be involved in kingdom life. Jesus uh, shares about the kingdom 
in, in a parable. It's a rather lengthy one. I've put it on the wall. We'll kind of walk through it. I'm going to read it. Um, the parable of the talents. Many of us have heard this before. But Jesus is talking about what it's like to live life in the kingdom. And he says this in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. For it is just like a man going on a journey. He called his own slaves and turned over his possessions to them. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one. To each according to his own ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man who earned two more, or, or in the same way, the man with two earned two more, excuse me. But the man who had one uh, talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. Look, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Then the master, or excuse me, the man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. Look, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Then the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a difficult man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went off and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. But his master replied to him, You evil, lazy slave. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing slave into the outer darkness, in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's kind of a harsh story. It has a harsh ending. Jesus wasn't great with the feel-good endings on some of his stories. Before we go too far, though, I want to uh, deal with a couple words that are in there that can sometimes throw us off a little bit. First is the word slaves. Um, in a lot of your uh, translations, it will say servants. Uh, when we hear that word slave, oftentimes we think American slave trade, and our mind goes to all kinds of bad things, and we go, Jesus shouldn't be saying that, and he shouldn't. This was obviously thousands of years before that. There was a different connotation. It, it was a household servant. It was a bond servant, someone who had pledged their service to a master. Okay? These were people who they found their identity in who their master was. They found their livelihood in who their master was. And in fact, like, look at how when they came back, they didn't go, all right, fine, here, take your money. They said, master, look, I've got you even more. And he said, share in your master's joy. There was a different kind of relationship than what we naturally go to when we hear that word. So don't get hung up on that. The other thing is uh, talent. Um, it would be sweet, we're talking about spiritual gifts, if he actually meant like talents and abilities. Uh, that would make this go real together nice for me, but it, that's not what he means. A talent was 6,000 denarii. Uh, a denarii was one day's wages. So each talent he gave them was 16 and a half years worth of wages that he entrusted to them. And to one he gave t five of those, to one he gave two, to another he gave one. These were huge treasures. So Jesus wasn't going, yeah, he, he kind of he flipped him a silver coin, 
and told him, ah, you know, if, if I could get anything back, that'd be great. This was a huge treasure he had trusted to his servants. And the, the one that he gave five came back and said, Lord, I invested it. I used it, and look, I've doubled it. The one that had two came back with the same story. The one that had one said, oh, I know what this guy's about. It, truly what it was, Jesus even says, you evil, lazy, good-for-nothing servant. Like, you were a, a selfish man. He went, you know what? That sounds hard. I'm not even sure I really like this master. I'm just going to go bury it so I can, at the end, I can go, see, look, here it is, just like he gave it to me. I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to invest it. And we don't find a happy ending for this man. Throw this good-for-nothing slave into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Just, just bitterness of soul because this servant refused to use what his master had given him for the purpose he had given it to him for. Spiritual gifts can be seen in the same way. We have been given gifts to use in service to the kingdom. Don't go bury it. Don't get caught up in, I don't have time for that. I don't like that. I don't want to. So I'm just going to bury it away. God has given us spiritual gifts to use in service to his kingdom. And one day he'll hold account. It's not just, man, life would be better if you did, but if you don't, it's fine. We'll all be held to account. What did you do with what I gave you? And I don't want to go, I buried it in the backyard. I could go find it if you want. I want to be, I want to be a servant that comes up and goes, look, maybe he gave me two, maybe he gave me five, but like, look, I doubled it. I put it to work, and your kingdom is now richer because of it. I want to hear, and I'm sure you want to hear, well done, good and faithful slave. Come share in your master's joy. There will be an account for how we use what we've been given. We cannot be fully involved in kingdom life without understanding and utilizing our gifts. If we miss this, it didn't turn out well for that servant. That's all I'll say. I never want to kind of overemphasize, but I don't know that we can underemphasize this one. Don't miss out on using what the Lord has given you. He gave it to you for a reason. Amen. Makes sense. Amen. Head nods. Okay, good. We can move on. So let's get into some of the brass tacks. This is kind of a, an introductory message. I really just want to kind of answer some questions, give out some, some basics, and in the coming weeks we'll get into some specific gifts and all of that kind of stuff. But right now, just some broad questions uh, that especially if you're newer to church, you would be going, okay, maybe I've heard somebody mention spiritual gifts before, but that's as far as it goes. Or you, you hear a parable like Jesus just taught, and you go, man, I want to get this right, but like... I need to know some information first. So just some, some basic information. What are spiritual gifts? First and foremost, we better make sure that we are talking about the same thing when we use that word. What are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities given to believers for use in service to the kingdom. Supernatural abilities given to believers for use in the kingdom. That first word, supernatural, can make some of us uncomfortable. 
This is where I said, this is, there were some, some gray areas and some parts that we don't talk about because we don't know necessarily what to do with them. Spiritual gifts are supernatural <laughs> abilities given to believers for use in service in the kingdom. Abilities that when used have a supernatural effect or cause a supernatural response far beyond what, it should, what should have been expected naturally. We're going to get into this uh, here in a little bit in the next question, but, but there's always a supernatural element. There's always a 2 plus 2 somehow didn't equal 4, it equaled 10. It, it doesn't naturally make sense. There had to be some supernatural moving taking place. The second question, and it kind of flows right from what I just said there. How are spiritual gifts different from natural talents or abilities? If, if spiritual gifts are these supernatural abilities and there's this supernatural effect or response, how's that different from just natural talents and abilities? And this is one of those places where English hasn't done us any favors, especially like our American English. If somebody comes up and they're just a really eloquent speaker, or, or they teach in a way where, yeah, things just make sense. What are we going to say about that person? Gifted. They're gifted. What a gifted speaker. What a gifted musician. What a gifted artist. What a gifted leader. We, we, that's just become part of our, like, our, our American dialect. But we don't mean the same thing the scriptures mean. We're not saying, wow, that person speaks with supernatural power, and there's this supernatural response it's just kind of been watered down to mean, what a talented individual. That person is really good. But by putting that gifted label on it, it's kind of muddied some things. So how are spiritual gifts different from natural talents and abilities? I'm going to tell you with this, I'm not going to necessarily draw like a real hard line between the two. Because I don't see anywhere in scripture where it says, here's where your natural ability stops and the supernatural kicks in. And it, oftentimes they work together. Like, really, really well. We believe, from Psalm 139, that God created each of us in our mother's womb. Yeah? The Bible says he, he knit us together. He knew us before we ever took our first breath. Yeah? If that's kind of the baseline of our understanding, he, he uniquely crafted us. He uniquely gave us talents and abilities and personalities and all of this stuff. Wouldn't it kind of make sense to follow that he also knew exactly which gifts would work best with that? Yeah? yeah? So to try to separate them, sometimes it's kind of like you're banging your head against the wall. It doesn't really serve much of a purpose. Oftentimes, God puts them together. Now, here's the thing. Not every time. I've seen the, the meekest, shyest, quietest person get up in front of a room full of people and speak in a way that it wasn't even that they were so persuasive and they were... But when they would share from the word, my heart like kind of just burned inside of me. Have you guys ever experienced that? Where somebody is sharing something, somebody is, is unpacking something from the word, and there's something inside of you that goes, ah, oh, I need what they have. I have to respond. And I've seen people, like I said, that you would never look at them and go, what a gifted public speaker. You wouldn't say it. But there was something about when they came out, this gift came out in them, and I went, wow. The Holy Spirit is speaking through them. The Holy, they have a spiritual gift that doesn't necessarily match what I expected. He can do that. But oftentimes, 
They're paired together with our natural talents and abilities. That's not uncommon at all. Anyone can learn to play guitar, right? Some are gonna learn quicker than others, yeah? Some have a higher ceiling and are just plain gonna be better than others, yeah? Just naturally speaking, whether they're believers, whether they're not believers, like what, they just, it makes sense. Almost their heart speaks a language of music and they just, it comes to them. Their brain understands how to turn notes on a page just into like perfectly played notes or something. Like they are naturally, they have ability, they have talent with these things. But no one can practice enough. No one can get good enough at playing music to usher people into the throne room of God through their music. That is not a natural ability. I'm going to play this note so well that God's going to speak to your heart. You can't practice it. You can't earn it. But there are those that when they use that natural ability... Their spiritual gift, maybe of encouragement, maybe of prophecy. There's, there's all kinds that come with this. When they use their natural talents and abilities, there's this supernatural response where it's like God is in the room with us, because he is, and I can almost see him face to face, and singing a song becomes worship. Not because that person just practiced so hard. Can God use their practice? Yes. Like they, We all need to work at our craft. Yes. But it's when that natural talent and ability gets paired with a, a supernatural gift, a spiritual gift, that we see this, this supernatural response. Anyone can learn to speak publicly. I kind of talked about this a little bit. You, you can go to seminars. How many of you have taken some kind of public speaking course in high school, in college? Maybe your job made you. Okay? About half the people, maybe a little more. I'm seeing some hands about here because you're afraid that I'm going to make you publicly speak, but I'm not. Anyone can take these courses. Anyone can learn that, you know, if you make three points and if you alliterate and if things rhyme, people are going to remember it. And you can do all of these things. Just by doing those, can you bring conviction on the hearts of the people that hear you? No. We've all heard really, like, talented speakers. Then we go, wow, they were good. Oh, well. And we walk away unchanged. There's this natural talent and ability, but there's something about when a spiritual gifting comes alongside that. And all of a sudden, natural charisma or eloquence is partnered with a gift of teaching, a gift of prophecy, a gift of evangelism, a gift of, of encouragement or exhortation. And all of a sudden, again, there's something just burning inside of you as you hear. There's this supernatural response or, or drawing toward movement that is the gift of the Holy Spirit being worked out. So again, I can't give you hard and fast lines. Here's where a natural talent and ability ends and a spiritual gift starts. God has kind of weaved us together way more complexly than that. But without a spiritual gifting, all we're ever going to be is, is a good musician, a good speaker, a, um, a really willing servant. A, I mean, there's any number of things that, are, that aren't bad things. But there's something about when God puts that gift inside of someone and they freely utilize that where there is a supernatural response. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Does every believer have a gift? Short answer, yes. Does every believer have just one gift? Short answer, maybe. 
Some have one, some have two, some have ten. Again, back to the parable that Jesus taught of going, look, the master gave those talents to his servants in according with their ability. He, he knew how he like, had wired them. He knew how he wanted to use them, and he gifted them accordingly. One he gave one, one he gave two, one he gave five. Every believer has a spiritual gift, at least one. Some have multiple. First uh, Peter 10, we read part of this. Uh, we read this whole passage before. We're just going to read part of it right now. Uh, Peter starts this whole thing off by going, based on the gift that each one has received. <coughs> he was talking to the church at, at large, to the entire church. It was kind of an open letter from Peter. And he goes, look, Christians, all of you, based on the gift that each of you has received, you all got at least one. Paul, over in 1 Corinthians 12, says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. He then goes on to list spiritual gifts. This, this manifestation means to be made known. He goes, To each one of us, we've been given a gift that makes the Holy Spirit known. Every one of us, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, has at least one spiritual gift. There's no, oh, that's not for me. They're gifted, I'm just not. You are. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, He brings with Him at least one gift. The women uh, had a lunch yesterday, and I love that women do this. There's always some kind of bag when you come in, and I don't know, lotions or whatever is in these bags. Sometimes cookies, which I'm a fan of. Kim comes home like, what's in the bag? You know, The Holy Spirit's kind of the same way. When you enter into the kingdom, here's your gift bag. Here is spiritual life. Here's a new identity. And here's a gift. Open it up, see what's inside. Every single one of us, when we enter the kingdom, receives a spiritual gift. So what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? If you've been paying attention, you've caught this as I've been talking throughout it. The purpose of spiritual gifts is twofold. To build up believers and to advance the kingdom. To build up one another. Paul says, uh, now to each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Peter says, based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the very grace of God. We've been given spiritual gifts to build up one another and to advance God's kingdom. Again, the, the parable of the talents where Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God, they didn't come back and go, look, I kept them shiny and new and were just as big as we were before. There was multiplication because these people had used the gifts that they were given. Now the kingdom had expanded. It was bigger some gifts are solely meant to build up one another, to encourage one another, to teach one another. It's a Christian to Christian thing. Other gifts are meant to put God on display for the world to see. To, to draw a watching world into the kingdom to expand and advance it. You take away us using our gifts. We can't take away the gifts themselves. They're there. If the Holy Spirit is present, the gifts are there. But if we stop using them, we will cease to build one another up and we will cease to advance the kingdom. We will slowly shrivel and die. We will stop walking with each other. 
We will stop putting our arms around each other, encouraging one another, serving one another, and we won't matter one lick to the world around us. Paul says uh, in 2 Corinthians, talking about when he came to this church in Corinth, and he says, I didn't come with wise and persuasive words. I didn't come with the best that I could do, but I came with demonstrations of the Spirit's power so that you would know it's about him and not me. This is what, honestly, this is what the Alliance Church is missing. We come with wise and persuasive words. We come with with really well-meaning stuff. We come with, with the best we can offer. And what we're missing, in most part, is demonstrations of the Spirit's power. This is the purpose of spiritual gifts. To build up believers and to advance the kingdom. Finally, ending with this question, how do I know what my spiritual gifts are? I get this one all the time. How do I know what my spiritual gifts are? Is there like a spiritual gift survey that I should be taking? They're out there. They're not bad. Here's my thing with spiritual gift surveys. They can be a helpful tool, but most of the time, here's what they ask. The last time you did this, did you like it? Well, here's the thing. I never tried that. That's scary. Nope, zero. Oh, look, I'm not gifted in that. You know what I mean? It's a man-made thing. It's a man-made tool meant to help. And they can help give us an idea of maybe I should lean in here. Maybe I should check something out there. They're not bad things. It's just a man-made tool that kind of only goes so far. How do I know what my spiritual gifts are? 1 Corinthians 12.31. Again, this whole chapter. Paul goes on for about three chapters from 12 all the way through 14 talking about spiritual gifts. And in the middle, he says this, Desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. And then starts 1 Corinthians 13. What does he talk about in 1 Corinthians 13? Anybody know? How many of you have been to a wedding ever? You probably heard 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love... Yeah? Ringing a bell? We tend to take that out and go, wedding verse. Check. Paul was talking about that in the midst of spiritual gifts. It's the whole chapter before, it's the whole chapter after, and it's even interwoven in 13. Desire the greater gifts. He's going, the the people in Corinth were going, what are my gifts? How do I use them well? And he goes, yeah, you desire them. There should be something inside of you that goes, I want to know what they are. I want to use them well, and I'll show you an even better way. And he goes through, love one another. You guys have heard the beginning of 13 where it says, uh, if I can prophesy but have not love, I'm a resounding gong. If I can speak in tongues of angels but have not love, it's useless. He finishes, uh, or starts to finish that talk at the beginning of chapter 14. He comes out of it and he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So how do I know what my gifts are? Start loving. You start serving. Here's the problem. Most of us come in the American mindset and we go, give me everything I need and once I feel comfortable, then I'll take a step. And God says, no, it's the other way around. Start loving, start serving, and I'll reveal your gifts as you do. Desire greater gifts and I will show you an even better way. Love is patient. Love is kind. If you want to find out what your gifts are, start loving. Start serving. There's no test you're going to take that goes, okay, I've sat on the couch my whole life, now reveal it to me. It doesn't work. 
This is something we learn by trying. You know what? I went and I tried this, and uh, that wasn't it. <coughs> like, words just weren't coming out of my mouth. I, I don't think that's what I should be doing. You know what? When I showed up to serve, even just to help somebody move, there was kind of this joy that sparked inside of me. And I could tell, like, it meant something to that person. Not just because a couch was heavy and they needed it, but my presence there, like, that, that meant something to them. The only way we're going to find out what our spiritual gifts are is to start trying. Start serving and loving. So let's start with your natural talents and abilities. What comes naturally to you? Start there. Hear me, church. Don't end there. Try. We ha- if we're going to figure out what our spiritual gifts are, we have to be willing to do something terrifying. Fail. I have to be willing to try something that isn't my gift and be mature enough to go... Nope, let's laugh that one off. All right, what's next? And start down that road. When I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me in a situation to take a step outside of my comfort zone, I need to be obedient. You know what? That person needs somebody to go put a hand on their shoulder and pray with them. I don't know, Lord. I don't do that. We don't do that. I don't know if I should. You know what? I need to step out and do that because there's a decent chance that I've been given the gift of encouragement And God's calling me to go encourage that person. And if I will obey, there could be this supernatural response where this person feels the encouragement of the Lord coming on them because I chose to be obedient. Let me tell you guys, before I ever preached a message, I, I had been a believer for... Oh, probably seven, eight years at that point. And every spiritual gift survey I take, preaching, was at a zero legitimately, uh, because I'd never done it before. I went, that's scary. Crazy people do that. Um, I'm not doing it. My father-in-law, who was a pastor of a local church at the time, uh, said, oh, by the way, I told my church you're coming to preach in three weeks. They're really looking forward to it. I was like, you did what? <laughs> you know, and he was like, yeah, so it'll be great. You know, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. He worked with me and helped me kind of prepare a message. And that Sunday came, and he gave me, he loves, he gives this I hope he's listening online later. He gives this thing where he goes, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, the Lord speaks through a donkey. Um, And we know the other term for a donkey, especially if you're a King James reader. And he says, if he could speak through one then, he can speak through one now. You'll be fine. He has the gift of encouragement, let me tell you. But he, he, he threw me into the lion's den handed me a mic and said, go for it. I was terrified. There was all kinds of opportunity to fail. He was lovingly giving me that swift kick in the pants because he saw something in me. But I went and I did it. And I came away and I went, hey, first of all, I didn't die. Cool, that's a plus. And people seemed to respond. And like, some people were coming going, you know, I've heard that before, but like, the Lord just really spoke to me when you shared on it. I've, I've heard that passage, I don't know how many times, but like something was different this time, and started going, huh, I wonder. And he lovingly invited me to do it again about a month later, where he told his church before he told me. And there I was again. And before long, I was going, you know, when I do this, it it brings life to me. It brings joy to me. And it seems to build up those around me. I should probably lean into this. And I'll tell you guys, here's the thing, we'll talk about this a little more next week, but 
I have no problem telling you this. I am a gifted teacher. Everything in me feels like, you can't say that, it's super proud. Only arrogant people would stand up there and say that, right? Well, here's the thing. If I mean it gifted like we talked about before, where, man, I'm the stuff, then, yeah, I'm horrible. You should fire me. If I mean it like the scripture means it, my Father has given me a gift, and I'm to use it as often as I can to build up believers and to advance the kingdom, then there's no pride in that at all. I liken it to this. How many of you, when you were in high school, maybe, or maybe you know some high schoolers now, and some high schoolers are, are in a situation where their parents buy them a car that no high schooler should have, mm -hmm. if you know what I'm saying. And some of them have this certain attitude about them. We're like, did you see my car? Let me tell you what I can do in that car. I can beat you. I can beat you. I can beat you. I'm awesome. Most of us sit back and go, you didn't earn that car. That's not even your car. That's your daddy's car. You stole his keys. Like, and we go, that's arrogant. You're taking credit for something that's not even yours. But if that person comes and goes, man, my dad's amazing. He loves me so much. Check out what he gave me. Let's go for a ride. Come with me. My dad is fantastic. Look at what he did for me. No one's going to go, how arrogant. We go, man. That, I want that guy's dad, right? And it's the same way with our spiritual gifts. This is not something that we should be like hiding from and like, I mean, yeah, I kind of like to do that. But like, I am gifted in this. And with that comes the responsibility to you to use those gifts. What has the Lord gifted you at? That if you don't use it, I suffer. We suffer. Because every gift we've been given is for the common good. Not for me so I can feel good when I do it, but for you. And you've been given gifts that I need. So I say all of this, this entire message, to kind of set the table. Over the next couple months, as we walk through spiritual gifts, will you have an open heart and an open mind? Even if we talk about a gift that makes you feel pretty uncomfortable... To be able to, to say this, we're going to end most of our services going forward with a time of prayer. I'm telling the elders this now. We haven't talked about it before, so I'll catch you guys up later. We're going to have a time at the end of the services where the elders come up. And if you feel that maybe the Lord is calling you uh, to utilize this gift, to come and have these men lay hands on you and pray for you. If you even go, man, I kind of want that gift. I don't know if I have it or not, but like, I want to find out that these men would pray for you. Maybe even, wouldn't this be amazing to have them come up and say, you know what, I've been given this gift, and for years, I've had it buried in the backyard. First of all, forgive me. Second of all, would you pray that the Lord release this in my life? I really want this to be a practical time, but we have to be open. Are we willing to A, find out maybe what gifts the Lord has given us, and then to use them in each other's, on, on each other's behalf. Amen. Would you guys pray for me? And then we're going to close with a song. Did I say for me or with me? Lord. You can pray for me. That's cool too. I'm going to pray for us. You do what you want to do. Lord Jesus, we are yours. 
There is a king, and I'm not him. You are. God, would you change each of our hearts to value what you value? Would you convict our hearts, God, to live according to the rules of the kingdom? And would you show us what it is to love and serve you? Lord, I pray that over these next couple months, you would reveal to each one in this room what our spiritual gifts are. That you would reveal to each of us how we're to use those gifts, not for our glory, but for yours. Not for our kingdom, but for yours. Not for our own good, but for each other's. God, we trust you to move. I believe, I truly wholeheartedly believe if we submit to you in this, we will see our church grow, we will see your kingdom advanced, and we will see a difference made in Elkins and in West Virginia and to the ends of the earth because we are people filled with your Holy Spirit, walking in the gifts that you've given us and seeing a supernatural response all around us. Lord, where there is fear, as we heard earlier today, the Lord does not speak through fear the enemy will whisper and he will try to get us to start digging a hole in the backyard to bury that talent. Lord, may we fight the enemy with truth. May you give us boldness and courage to love one another in the way that you have uniquely gifted us to do that. Lord, I need my brothers and sisters and they need me. May we truly link arms and advance the kingdom together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.